Welcome to the Figuring Out Families podcast by Magellan Media, where we explore and build awareness of the issues faced by families today, and in doing so, set about figuring out families. This is episode five in series one. Our guest is Bronwyn Melville. Our guest on Figuring Out Families is Bronwyn Melville, who's on the board of Newcastle Pregnancy Help. Bronwyn is the mother of seven children and has four grandchildren. She's worked in the area of diagnostic imaging for over 30 years, as well as supporting women with pregnancy issues. She also volunteers to feed the homeless in her spare time. I'm not sure she has much spare time. <laughs> Welcome, Bronwyn. Thank you, David. It's very nice to be here. Good on you. Perhaps we'll start uh, with your early life, uh, Bronwyn. I believe you come from a fairly large family. Um, yes, I do. I'm actually one of um, uh, five children myself. And yeah, I grew up in the middle of that family. And often the middle is the one who gets to do lots of jobs. So at the moment, I'm also helping my parents a little bit who are uh, in their 80s. So that falls okay. to me a little bit. Okay. They're in uh, reasonably good health? Yes, yeah, no, they're pretty good at the moment. It's a day-by-day thing, of course, when you're in your 80s, but um, they're managing okay, which is good. We're pleased about that. That's great. And you yourself have a few children too, I believe. Yes, my husband, Jack, and I have um, seven children, and actually we have five grandchildren. I think since that information went through to you, we we have a a new one. Oh, congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And and what age uh, do they range? Uh, they range from seven uh, down to the, the youngest one, who's only a few months old. Right. And your children, mm. they're, uh, what, they're in their 20s and 30s, are they now? Yes. The, uh, the oldest is 35 and the youngest is 17. Fantastic. Well, Christmas must be a fun time at your place. Oh, yes. We have to start planning early. <laughs> <laughs> we, a few mouths to feed. We, yeah, we have a couple of uh, have a, a couple of organisers in the family, so that's that's a real one who, daughter who's in hospitality, another one who's very good organiser. So they often take the lead, which is quite satisfying. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. That's good. Everyone pitches in by the sound of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay, looking at uh, your work now, I believe it's a case of daughter like mother uh, when you became uh, involved with uh, pregnancy support. Yes, um, I became involved fairly young. Um, I was uh, around 18 when my mum first brought me in. I'm not, actually, I might have been a little bit older, I might have been 20. When mum first said to me, we need a secretary for this new pregnancy help centre in Port Macquarie, actually. And, um, you know, I, I want you to do it or can you do it or here's the job, basically. I was handed the job. Um, and so that's how I began uh, and have held various roles in different organisations. But certainly that was, I guess, something that, you know, I kind of inherited. <laughs> okay. Did you have an interest in it um, because of your mother, mother's role? Um, yeah, well, I think mum and dad. It was something that we had always discussed as a family um, about supporting people who were, you know, concerned in some way or distressed by pregnancy and I know certainly it was sort of the sort of things that mum and dad would say around the dinner table. Often we would just talk about, you know, those issues and how we could help people. And I think, right. you know, it, it was just part of our life. It wasn't very uh, complicated. It wasn't very difficult. It was just part of our life. 
Right. So your parents obviously obviously had a real interest in that area too from the start. Yeah, I think mum had a sister who had a baby at 16 and um, interestingly that young man is now my cousin. He's um, He employs two of our children. So it's funny how things go around. But at the time she was pregnant, it was, you know, well, he'd be, he's, he's over 40 now. So it was considered a, a bit of a stigma um, and certainly that situation we were very young. My, my auntie's only 11 years older than me, but so that was kind okay. of, you know, an interesting time to be introduced to it, but in a very personal way. And we loved her very much. So, um, you know, I think mum just said, no, it's, she, mum always said, you know, that, and dad also agreed that, you know, these things are not, um, shouldn't be taboo. We should be supporting women. It happens. It's life. Um, you know, the, the child is not a sin. Um, and yeah. this is in within the Catholic context and, sure. you know, but, you know, to remember that it's important to provide that support to people to not judge, because if you judge, then that's not what Jesus would do. And so that was very much part of our, the fabric of my life growing up. And, um, it wasn't, okay. wasn't a difficult, you know, position to go from. Sure. Do you think there is, so you mentioned the word stigma. Do you think there is still a stigma or is that sort of a, belong to the past? Uh, look, I think, I personally think there is still a bit of a stigma. Um, people will say, no, you can do anything. I think it's probably easier to be a single parent these days than it was, say, 40 years ago. Um, yeah. You know, but I think certainly there is still a level of stigma that is attached to people who perhaps don't plan everything in their life. Maybe it's more coming from that aspect now. And more the, you know, it's taboo. We can't, you know, we can't sort of do these things or be pregnant. I think it's more that, you know, you're expected to have your life perfect, Instagram perfect. And if it's not Instagram perfect, then there's something you've done wrong, you know. And part of that is, you know, I planned this pregnancy and, you know, I'm having these two children, which is kind of what is, you know, popular, I guess, or what, what people perceive. Um, yeah, that's just perhaps more my perception and observation over the years. But I do think that there is still that level of, you know, if you haven't sorted it all out, you haven't got it right, then then there's something flawed about you. Sure. Uh, and social media in some respects hasn't really helped, has it? You mentioned Instagram. Oh, uh, yeah. Look, I think um, my kids are really the digital natives. I've, I've sort of didn't touch a computer till I was in my 20s, really. Um, but, you know, I think that, to be honest, it's, it, it has its uses, definitely, and it's great for many things. But it's like everything. It's a bit like when my kids were little. If you gave them too much sugar, it wasn't a good thing. It would end up, you know, with them being quite, you know, off the, off the air. So I think yeah. it's one of those things. And I temper it like that, certainly with our kids. Uh, I have been known to take with my, especially with my boys, I have been known to take the modem to bed with me, to unplug it uh, <laughs> and say, yeah. no technology <laughs> at night. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Well, if you're going to have a rule, you you know, as long as you're consistent, it's a fair way to go. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> sometimes it's about the only way that can work because, as I said, they're digital natives. They know more than we do. Um, oh, that, absolutely. It's frightening, actually, isn't it? Yeah. We, well, we can respect that. I mean, I'll say to my... 17 year old son can you fix this for mum and he just sort of rolls his eyes yeah okay mum okay i know you don't yeah. i know you don't get it <laughs> yeah fair enough 
Um, are there a lot of women, you think, these days who are troubled by their pregnancy who seek support? You come across quite a few. Uh, well, look, I think, um, I think the statistics are telling us that, you know, it's more like, um, oh, I think it's about 26% of women or about, you know, one-fifth of women who fall pregnant are saying that they are um, concerned by a pregnancy. Um, and that's, that's the, this, that's not my studies, but that's what people, the studies that are yeah. currently done There's one done in 2018, I think that had that stat and that's pretty much the story, the picture, about a third of those people will choose, uh, to have an abortion. There are obviously other things you can do, but you know, um, yeah. there is that kind of thing that it, it is still a thing, you know, and I certainly, from my own perspective, personal perspective, I have to think hard now to remember which of the babies that I didn't actually plan, didn't actually think in my head, you know, we're going to, we're thinking about having a baby, we're planning on it. Because it it becomes irrelevant, you know, when they're 18 years old and sitting at the table wanting dinner. That's, you know, it's it's kind of all fades into the past. But, of course, at the time, it can be very concerning for people. Right. Mm. Yep. Fair enough. In your supporting role, you deal with many pregnant mums. I imagine they come from a, a range of socio-demographic backgrounds. Is that correct? Oh, definitely. Yeah, it can be anybody. It can be somebody who's um, a 40-year-old woman who's, you know, at the end of a family sort of thing or, or you know, 40 isn't, isn't that old these days. But, you know, certainly that, that can be the case. She can be well set up and working full time and have a life together and then it can be the very young 14-year-old girl. You know, it can be completely opposite. It can be somebody who's homeless. Um, we're seeing a little bit of that these days. So, yeah, it's very different. Yeah. The homeless thing has come up in a few previous podcasts. That seems to be an increasing problem uh, around Australia. Yeah, I think I, I don't know whether homeless is, homelessness is increasing. I know there's that statistic of 100,000 people are sleeping rough, not, you know, and it's homeless at any given time. So I, I'm obviously some of those people are, are of childbearing age. So that's quite possible. Um, and you know, a, a very concerning thing, obviously. Um, yeah. Yes. Fair enough. Mm. Um, Brian, when you've got considerable experience through, through your involvement with pregnancy health and your day-to-day job, of course. As such, you recently presented to the New South Wales Parliamentary Inquiry into decriminalising abortion prior to the government passing uh, new legislation there. What are the key messages that you passed um, on to that committee? The thing that I really wanted to point out to the Legislative Council was that there is very little help given to women around that time of pregnancy, if we are simply saying to them, you know, you, we, we will provide you with more abortion. Giving them more abortion isn't going to necessarily help them when they come to you with a problem that has a number of factors that are fed into it. So as I was, you know, I was talking before about homelessness. Well, that's one of the issues. It might be domestic violence. It might be yeah. financial things. It might be, you know, the economic thing can be really big for people. Um, so if they need assistance in those areas, they still need them, even if you take the baby out of the equation. So that was what we were trying to say is this needs to be a holistic view. If you are simply saying, you know, you need, um, you know, here's here's an abortion, off you go, have the abortion. You know, 
it, it's, it, what we have seen in our practice is that that isn't what women really want in the long term. They want you to, to sit there with them. They want you to listen to their problems and they want you to help them. And that will help them, you know, if you do that, sure. if you give them that time. Okay. So the, the, some women just see it as a quick fix solution, but it's really not um, resolving the whole issue as it were. Well, I mean, I, I remember mum used to say this years ago, they just want to be unpregnant. They don't particularly dislike babies. They just want to be unpregnant. You know, they're just they're in that situation mm. where, and, you know, I myself have been in that situation where I've gone, oh, my goodness, it's caught your breath, you know. And even though I'm in a marriage and in a very happy marriage, that doesn't, doesn't matter. We've still gone through, you know, financially challenging times and ups and downs. And the reality is that is the life. That is life when you have a family. You can't, you can't avoid that, you know. And if you're saying to them, I'm going to simply come in and offer you this procedure, which is not easy, no matter what way you look at it, it's not easy. Because you, once you start a natural process of a pregnancy, to, to stop that, to cease that, is not easy. You know, it's, uh, and any medical procedure is not easy. But, you know, people sort of say, it's easy, it's nothing. You know, it's, that's not the truth. Actually, oh. the reality is it's not easy. Well, um, well there so, are risks, risks with any sort of operation or medical procedure, isn't there? Exactly. And on top of that, there is the fact that, you know, psychologically they, they have started to sort of form that, you know, um, they, are, they are becoming a mother or they're becoming a father. We also talk to fathers sometimes, you know, and, you know, you know I've had a dad ring me up and he was so distressed because his wife wanted to have a termination of pregnancy and abortion and he was just you know they had two beautiful children and he for him he was just overwhelmed he didn't want that to happen he really didn't want you know to go down that path because he loved his children so for him he knew it was this was a natural process that them having these children but the unnatural process for him was the abortion and so that was a challenge for him. So, yep. so it isn't, you know, it's not simple. That's, that's the bottom line. It's just not simple. Sure. You mentioned some of the issues already that uh, the pregnant women are dealing with. Um, what are some of the others? I imagine uh, there'd, there'd be a few that come from broken families and have violent partners, drugs would play a role, et cetera. Yeah, look, I, I would say the vast majority of what we deal with is is what you would say is run-of-the-mill sort of stuff that is economic, you know, can't afford to have this baby. Um, it, it, and it's not by any means we're not diminishing that situation, but to simply say, you know, it's not that we, we do see homelessness, we do see domestic violence, um, we do see, you know, issues in, in relationships, but that isn't every person and that isn't the majority. The majority is, you know, oh my goodness, I'm pregnant. Um, I, I, you know, they're just in a relationship, and this has happened, and suddenly, I've somebody perhaps has said to them, and this often happens, you know, you just got to get rid of it. So, yep. so that's kind of where it's coming from. That's the vast majority, really. What types of strategies, including perhaps pastoral care programs, do you have or are in place to assist individuals and their families? So we would do things like um, initially with an intake call, we would talk to the person, we would say to them, you know, what, find out from them what is their need. So meet the need where it's at. Similar to any service out there in the community, you know, if a person comes in, a, they drop in, they call in, 
that they they would tell us in a sense you tell us what what how we can help you that's really what we're about because we're helping we're not rescuing people we're helping people and you know then we would simply it might be practical support we need to find them uh, they might need to some assistance with negotiating or navigating that area of finances or they might need something to do with um you know occasionally yes people will need somewhere to live so we'll work with other agencies to do that um we can provide programs like there are a mum to mum mentoring programs where it's just having a coffee but we'll we'll do that periodically when we get a, a need for that and we'll meet in a particular cafe where they sponsor us and the mums will meet and just talk about mum issues there's nothing really technical about that we may get a speaker to come in and talk to them but it might just be simply you know this is this is where the need is at this present time and we obviously move with whatever those needs are sure so, you know and those, yeah. those mums would find that helpful i imagine oh definitely they they love it and they often continue that you know they want us to do it but they they'll just continue that independently later on um, but they love they love somebody coming, say a mothercraft nurse or you know someone like that. If we get a speaker, they just love them. They just drink that up because because that is I mean it's that old thing of you can I mean I had plenty of nieces and nephews before I had my own children, but there is there is nothing that can prepare you for becoming a mother yourself, and you know that is really something that I leaned on those around me that circle around me, um, you know, of women and uh, in the community, my mum, my, my sisters, I, I ask them questions, you know, I pick their brain. So it's a, it's a time of intense learning because we know it's a very steep learning curve in becoming a parent. But, you know, there is also that thing where you can reach out to those around you, but if you're isolated, you don't have that, then maybe that can be provided for you in this way. So it's a good thing. Yeah, that's right. And I mean... <laughs> You can read every manual and book there is that's ever been printed about parenthood, but until you go through it yourself, you really don't have any idea. Yeah, that's right, exactly. And it's like I was saying before, that steep learning curve thing. I read a book years ago, um, The name, the Brain That Changes Itself, and it was, it was fascinating about brain, neuroplasticity and that phase we have when we're young, that really steep sort of where we learn things really easily, that super learning phase they call it. That can come back only if we have concentration, really intense concentration. That's why, that's why when you're having children, you're really intensely concentrating on, you know, all those things that are important to you, and um, and you know that's become very much. You really learn very quickly, I think, as a parent. Oh, yeah, exactly right. Are there, are there many unplanned pregnancies these days? Do you have statistics at all on uh, what the you know what the level is or? Uh, yeah, look, I um I looked this up because I thought I'd better get the right information for you. And I think um, the unplanned pregnancies today, there was this, a recent study done by, by Taft et al, published in the Medical Journal of Australia, and it stated that one in four women will fall pregnant without intending to do so. So that's kind of what I was saying before was something that we we in the community that we work in have talked about, but it's it's being being sort of borne out by this recent study um, and about a third of those people will will choose to abort interestingly the vast majority will choose to actually have their, have their children um, okay. so you know about 70 percent um, and about things about 28 percent will choose to abort and then there's obviously the little bit in between that might be miscarriage right. is that um, is that percentage gone up in recent years or is it going down 
Any idea? No, that's pretty much, as I said, that, that that's pretty much what we knew, but it, it's in this recent study that was only done last year. Okay. So that's, um, yeah, so that's interesting that, you know, there may be, um, there, you, I've, no, children by choice will say, you know, um, you know, that there's a lot more, you know, their statistics are sort of showing that there's a lot less unplanned pregnancy because of the um, availability of contraception to say in the seventies. Yes. But that that's not necessarily what we're seeing when people are presenting with an unplanned pregnancy. <clears throat> so it's something that they say, but I'm not sure how they get to that statistic. So but you know, I can only say what I see that they've put on the internet. Of course. I don't know how they've worked for. Hmm. Okay. Um, how do you help a woman and her partner who are grieving the loss of a baby? I imagine that would happen uh, fairly regularly too. Yeah, look, I think a lot of those things, say, for example, it's a stillbirth, a lot of those things may be provided already for them at the, um, at the hospital. If somebody comes in and talks to us about grieving the loss of a baby, it's often somebody who's had... Um, an abortion and it's a kind of a hidden grief that they can't really say talk to um, you know the SIDS organizations about or other infant loss organizations mightn't really they don't really feel they can approach them so they are the kind of people that we see in terms of grief um, and, and it is a big area and it's certainly uh, you know if you look at our, our little organisation in Newcastle, we divert our phones through to Sydney Pregnancy Help and Sydney takes the lines for um, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria and the ACT. So they take the lines 24 hours a day, seven days a week when those agencies across all those states um, and, and Canberra are, um, are not available. And, you know, they say that 98% of the women who call them who are calling for post-abortion support um, because they're grieving, 98%, you know, of them will say that they were coerced into an abortion and that they weren't offered any counselling prior to the abortion. So that can all possibly lead into that that sadness and that grief that they are feeling. Um, yes. As I said, that it is quite often very unspoken, you know, yeah. uh, not talked about. Sure. Mm. Do you have any stats? Very challenging. Yeah. Do you have any stats on how many women are referred on by a doctor for an abortion? Is that sort of available at all? Yeah, look, that's an interesting one. I think that really recently when we had the um, abortion law reform bill being debated in Parliament in New South Wales, the pro-choice um lobby was you know saying that the MPs were saying where's your evidence where's your statistics currently there are no statistics mm. and the reason is they're not required to be kept now individual doctors may have that information and perhaps the abortion providers have that information I'm assuming they would yes but the reality is it's not freely available to the public and um and really importantly it's not required to be kept which is what something that you know is of concern if you're thinking about health. I mean, if we were talking about prostate health or we were talking about uh, breast screening or, you know, anything else, any other area, there would be statistics kept yes. um, and and would be required to be kept. So it's a concern uh, and certainly going forward, that's something that really should be thought about and should be promoted and, 
you know, talk to your MP if you're concerned about it because it's one of those things that it's an area of women's health that impacts women, yes, it, women impacts their families and, you know, why is there not more information? Mm. So that's about all I can say about that really. No, that's fair enough. Um, I've heard most women seeking an abortion do so because they're influenced by others. Is that your experience and the, the, the people you've spoken to? Yeah, as I was saying before, the statistics, and certainly this is borne out in our little organisation, I think it might vary by 1%, but the women who contact 1300 line, which is, and I've gotten this information from them, um, in, they look after Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria and ACT, kind of the eastern part of Australia. They say that 98% of those women who contact them after an abortion say that they were coerced into it and okay. you know that's a pr pretty alarming statistic really when you think about it I mean you know I, I think when you think about the people in your life the women in your life y you would hope that they would have good support in whatever decisions they were making yes um, cer certainly pertaining to their health their life their families and I think that this is an area that is as I said before it's kind of obscured it's kind of hidden um, perhaps the stigma now is shifting a little bit more towards the post-abortive area and, you know, the fact that it, if you look at infant loss memorial ceremonies and things like that, it isn't always raised that somebody has lost a child through abortion, you know, or, or had an abortion and they may have been coerced, you know, that they, they have lost a child yes. as well. So, so they feel it, you know, and they're going to feel it the same as if... They, they had a miscarriage. It might be felt slightly differently, but the reality is they are still going to feel something. Yep. Mm. Fair enough. Uh, for anyone contemplating a termination, what advice would you give to people in that situation? Where can they seek help? Uh, look, I would say to someone, um, you are worth whatever time it takes to work out what is best for you now and what is best for you way into the future. Um, and certainly if somebody comes to us and they're concerned, I say to them, you know, do you, do you want more information? Do you, what would you like to know? Would you like to know about what abortion is? Because if I was going to have a knee surgery, I would want to know what was going to happen. Um, I would need to know all the details of that. That would be important to me. So we kind of say without scaremongering, you know, we just wish, them to have all the information, whether it be about adoption, whether it be about abortion procedures, whether it be about, um, you know, services available to them as a parent so that they can make a fully informed choice. So I think that's what I would really say. And also that there is help available um, all over Australia. If you look up pregnancysupport.com.au, that's Pregnancy Help Australia's website. Now that covers the whole of Australia. If you go onto there, it very clearly says on the first page that you can call one number for Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria and ACT. It's a 24-hour number, yes. seven days a week. And there's another number for South Australia, Western Australia, Tasmania and Northern Territory. So depending on which part of Australia you're in, there's somebody on the end of the phone for you and they will direct you to your local agency for whatever support you need. They may be able to help you just on the phone, but um, you're worth about taking the time. That's what I would be saying. If this were my daughter yes. in this situation, I would be saying to her, you're worth the time. 
you take whatever time it needs. And not only that, we're here for you. And that is what we, as agencies all across Australia, and I know I can refer people over to Lynn in Albany, um, or I can refer to um, Lorraine in South Australia. They're my friends across Australia who are in sister organisations, and I can simply say, you know, I will get, I'll get someone to help you. Yeah. I will find you someone who will be able to walk this journey with you yes. and help you in whatever way you need. Yeah, and as you said earlier, you come from a non-judgmental position, um, uh, which is great. And yeah. I mentioned the services these days are a lot better than they were, say, 40, 50 years ago. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I have a friend who had a child oh, four or five years ago or something, and she was just taken to Sydney and, you know, she never saw the baby. She did meet him later on. She adopted him out. But the reality is, you know, that, that doesn't happen anymore. But then there's the other side of it where it's perhaps a little bit more, you know, you should, as I said before, speaking before and saying, you know, you kind of should have your act together. You should have that, your plans all laid out. And so, therefore, if you fail, then there, there may be that judgment of women who don't have it all together. I mean, I remember when I was having my middle child, yeah. <laughs> you know, like me. He's a, he's a perfect child just like me. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he, um, you know, I remember someone coming up to me and saying, oh, don't, don't you know what causes it? Like in some way that I had, you know, number one, he, he was actually one of my... <laughs> One of my little darlings who I had planned. But aside from that, you know, it didn't matter. Like he, he no. was he was my child, you know, but it was that idea that somehow I couldn't possibly want another child. And, you know, he he's a wonderful young man. He's just turned twenty one, you know. I'm very glad that he's around, Absolutely. you know. But it, it's it's this it's this kind of attitude that we have to have it all worked out and planned out. And as anyone who's a parent knows. You never have it all planned out, no, you know. No. Every day is a journey and, you know, it doesn't change. Yes. So, so a few people yeah, things, have... Sorry, keep going. No, I was just going to say that, you know, things change, but we we know that that is the age-old thing of parenthood, parent, pregnant, being pregnant, having children, being in the mess of, you know, the reality of life yeah. is that it is difficult and that, that we do need to provide that support. That's right. Wherever we can. You use that word. I was just about to say, life can be messy. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly can be, but also wonderful and joyful. Oh, and, you know, definitely. I said to my dad recently, and dad's, you know, 85, and I said, I don't think I've ever been this happy. And he said, but you said that to me years ago. You know, and I said, but just having children and having grandchildren and what could be better than that? You know, like how could life be better? Yeah. Than, than having this joyous experience of seeing, you know, the future in your grandchildren. So, yeah. so it's a good thing. Absolutely. Oh, yes. Well, I'm not a grandfather yet, but it, I dare say it will happen one day. <laughs> and everyone tells me it's wonderful. So there you go. <laughs> Roman, we're yes. actually out of time. But look, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure having you on Figuring Out Families. Oh, look, it's been my pleasure. And thank you very much for the opportunity. I've greatly enjoyed it. Lovely. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Thank you to our guest, Bronwyn Melville. For more information, contact Pregnancy Help Australia at www.pregnancysupport.com.au. If anything in this podcast has raised issues for you, there are organisations out there that can assist, including Relationships Australia, 
Beyond Blue and Lifeline, among others. Make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode. And remember to visit www.magellan.media for more details or to leave a comment. You can also leave a comment on our Figuring Out Families Facebook page. Thanks for listening. I'm David Ahern. Until next time, this has been Figuring Out Families, brought to you by Magellan Media.